This program is brought to you by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. We're going to continue in our studies today in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6. The police came to a home where an old man was staying and demanded that the door be opened. When the door was answered, the man was taken and arrested. As he stood before the judge, he was told this, Swear and I will release you. Reproach Christ. To that demand, a man by the name of Polycarp replied, Eighty and six years have I served Christ, and he has done me nothing but good. How then could I curse him, my Lord and my Savior? Polycarp was taken and burned alive, and this took place in about A.D. 160. If our gathering together to worship God was against the law, and it was punishable by death, how many of us would ever show up? Would we give up our faith in God and stay away? Or would we come and worship God and risk our lives? And that's not all that far-fetched. It is illegal to be a Christian in most Muslim countries today. In Daniel chapter 6, we have an example set forth for us of a man. Daniel at that time was probably in his early 80s. And he was willing to be obedient to God, regardless of the law that carried the death penalty to do so. <coughs> Last time we saw the destruction of the city of Babylon or the capture of the city of Babylon by the Medes and Persians. Belshazzar, the last king of the Babylonians, was put to death. He died that evening. When we come to Daniel chapter 6, the man by the name of Darius is the ruler over the city of Babylon. And Daniel is promoted by him. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Daniel 6, 1 through 3. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, or excuse me, over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel dealt in political and financial matters so well, and he was so faithful, and he was so trustful that the king would have no loss if Daniel was set up over these things. And Daniel was given the preeminence. That's because Daniel had a good work ethic. He was faithful, honest, efficient. When we look at those around us today, especially I see it in younger people, unfortunately, and I'm not saying all are this way, 
we have some younger people who are hard, hard workers. But you look at the vast majority of them, or at least that I see, they're not out to work. They want to gather a paycheck, but they don't want to have to work in order to get it. They're not faithful. They're not honest. They're not efficient. But the Bible tells us to be that way. Faithful, honest, and efficient. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at verses 5 through 8. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Now again, we don't have servants and masters as such in our country today, but we do have employers and we have employees. And this would fit that situation. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing services as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So right there is telling us if we are an employee, we need to be faithful and true to our employer. Now that doesn't mean disobeying God's will in any way, but we need to give an honest day's work. We need to do that. In Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God and the Father by him. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Get that correct there. So whatever we do, whether it is in religious things, whether it is in you know our everyday lives, such as our work and things like that, we're to do that to the glory of God. And we can't sit around and do nothing and be doing things to the glory of God. Now look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 25. Colossians 3, 22 through 25. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But verse 25 says, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So those verses again tell us, we need to work as hard for our employer as we would work for God. Because God is going to reward or God is going to punish accordingly. So we need to be working properly and doing a good job. It also mentions that Daniel was a righteous man, and that's what we need. We need to be righteous whether we're sitting in a pew or whether we're driving down the road or whether we're at work doing whatever our jobs may be. We need 
to be righteous. In Matthew chapter 13, look at verses 41 through 43. Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 through 43. It says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Now I will stop right there. This is the explanation there of the parable of the tares. And he's saying there in verse 41 that on the last day, the angels are going to gather out of his kingdom. His kingdom is the church. So he is going to gather, have those in his kingdom that are unfaithful gathered out. Those that offend, them that do iniquity. Now verse 42 and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So again right there, we are to live righteously. Daniel in his life shined forth. He was an individual in which they could find no fault. And we'll be seeing that momentarily. In Daniel chapter 6 there, verse 4. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Now, apparently, they wanted to do that. Maybe they were jealous. Maybe they wanted his job. Whatever it was, they were against him. They wanted to find something against him. It continues to say there, but they could not, oh, excuse me, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. So they tried to find something that they could get on Daniel. They wanted to do things bad to him. Often people, evil people, hate righteous people just like those evil people hated Daniel. In Luke chapter 6, verse 22, Luke chapter 6 and we're going to be reading verse 22. That verse says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23, he says, Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So Daniel here, they were trying to find some kind of a fault in him, but they could find no fault. There was no way they could find anything wrong. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 from the American Standard Version. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 15 and 16, again from the American Standard Version. It says, But sanctify in your hearts as Christ, Christ is Lord. 
being ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, yet with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that wherein ye are, oops, excuse me, spoken against, they may be put to shame who revile your good manner of life in Christ. So they were trying to find things against Daniel that would cause him to be taken down in the kingdom. They were speaking evil of Daniel, and yet they could find nothing because Daniel was an honest man of conviction. They found nothing in Daniel's life in which they could accuse him, and we need to live up to that same level so that whenever people speak ill of us, nobody will believe it. You see, the only way that they could find to trap Daniel was through his devotion to God. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 6 now, and let's read verses 5 through 9, because here a trap is set for Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Because that's the only way we're going to find anything. So verse 6, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And then he says, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together <clears throat> to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. All right, you'll notice there before we get to verse 8, the first word or first three words there in verse 7 says, All the presidents, that they all gathered together. That is implying falsely that Daniel was involved in that too. All the presidents, no, they weren't. Daniel wasn't in on that. So they lied. Whenever we imply something that's not true, it's a lie. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So now they're coming to the king. They're using flattery on him. Oh, king, listen, you know, don't, don't anybody pray to any other god or make any request of anyone but you. They knew Daniel. They knew Daniel's life. They knew Daniel prayed to his God three times a day. So they had finally set the trap. And now they say in verse 8 of Daniel 6, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Verse 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. He signed it. 
but they use flattery on him. Now, what good does flattery do? You know, people make the slaves, people are the slaves of those who flatter them. People will lie and deceive to get their way, and they will use flattery to get it. I want to look in the book of Job right now, chapter 17, verse 5. Job, chapter 17, verse 5. Job 17, here is Job speaking. And in verse 5, he says, He that speaketh flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children shall fail. That just shows a great warning to those who flatter. If you are being flattered by somebody, you get ready to be stabbed in the back. Because people will use flattery to try to get you onto their side in whatever way it may be and try to get you to do things their way. But we'll notice here that they could find nothing wrong in Daniel that falls in the kingdom, so now they made a religious request. Again, they implied that Daniel was part of that request. And Darius may not have thought of himself as deity, but he may have thought of himself as the representative of the chief god there of the Persians, which is Armuzd, or the spelling is O-R-M-U-S-D. But the laws of the Medes and the Persians was unchangeable. It was unchangeable, and it was written down. So there was nothing that could be done to change that law. If anyone made a petition or request of any god or anything else during those 30 days, then the penalty would be death. The penalty would be death. Well, now we see the trap was sprung for Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Daniel 6, 10 through 17. It says there, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel did not change. Daniel knew that that law had been signed but he was still going to be faithful to God, as it states there in the last part of Revelation 2.10, where he says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. He's saying there, you, you be faithful to God, whether you live to be an old person and die of natural causes, or whether it causes your faith causes you to be executed for the cause of Christ. Daniel was willing to be put to death for God's cause. He was going to be faithful to God no matter what happened to him. 
Now Daniel did not disobey the order of the king because of contempt for King Darius. What he did was disobey the order of King Darius because of his devotion to the King of Kings, that being God. Now before we go to verse 11 here in Daniel 6, let's go to 1 Timothy 6 verses 13 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 13 through 16. Paul writes, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, and the Lord of Lords. You know, there are people today that call themselves potentate. Well, here in the Bible it says there's only one, and that one is Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 6 and look at verse 11. It said, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Well, how did they know Daniel was doing that? They spied on him. They wanted to catch him. And you think about it, Daniel would not stop praying for those 30 days. So they had 90 chances. So they knew that they would catch him. Daniel did not hide his prayer. I want to go to Acts chapter 5 now, verse 29. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Let's begin reading a little bit higher than that. Verse 27. It says, and this is talking about the captain and the officers that brought to them the high priest and the scribes and the Pharisees there. Verse 27, when they had brought them, when the apostles had been brought, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you, or command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, you fill Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than man. And that was the same attitude that Daniel had centuries before. Daniel knew that he was going to obey God and not men. Actually, Daniel was following the request that was made by Solomon whenever Solomon dedicated the temple. And that is in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 44 through 48. 1 Kings chapter 8 verses 44 through 48. It says, If thy people go out to battle against their enemy, whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward this city which thou hast chosen, 
and toward the house that I have built for thy name. Then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. Verse 46. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. And thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet, if they shall bethink themselves in the land whether they were carried captives, and repent, and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captive, saying, We have sinned, and have done perversely. We have committed wickedness, and so return unto thee with all their heart, and with all their soul, in the land of their enemies which led them away captive and pray unto thee toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name. Verse 49 and 50. Then hear thou their prayer, and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. And forgive thy people that have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions wherein they have transgressed against thee. And give them compassion before them who carried them captive, that they may have compassion on them. We'll see again over in Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel opened up his windows and he prayed to God three times a day. Well, Daniel's devotion to his prayer life is clearly seen, as it is in the prayer life of the psalmist in Psalm 55, verse 17. Psalm 55, verse 17. That verse says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Daniel prayed three times a day. Daniel would be an influence for good in a kingdom of heathens there. Now let's continue reading there in Daniel chapter 6. It says in verse 12, then came they near, and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that should ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. You see, Daniel knew that decree was set forth. Daniel knew that if he disobeyed and was caught, he would be cast into the lion's den. But Daniel did not hide his prayer life. He knew that he would be caught. But you know, we see again the life of Daniel as preparation to be faithful. We saw that in the very first chapter of Daniel whenever we studied that. He prepared in his heart that he would be faithful to God. He prepared himself in advance to be faithful when the trials of life came his way. He made up his mind beforehand how he would act and what he would do when that ultimate challenge came. 
and we need to be prepared as well. We see the direction that our nation is going, and it appears, it may not be so, I'm not a prophet or anything like that, but from just seeing the way things are going, Christianity will be persecuted in this nation. But now let's continue reading there in verse 13 of Daniel 6. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Well, how would they know that? We've been watching. And he is praying to his God three times a day. He doesn't have any regard for you, and he doesn't care what your law says. Well, what was the king's reaction to that? Verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Darius then understood he had made a very terrible mistake whenever he listened to the flattery of those men and did what they wanted him to do. So he set his heart on Daniel. He had a great care and concern for Daniel. And he did everything that he could to try to stop Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. Verse 15. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or statute which the king establisheth may be changed. They knew the king was trying to get Daniel off in some, off in some way or another. And they came to him and said, you can't change the law. You can't change the law. Daniel disobeyed the law. Daniel must be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now we come to a little while after the, whenever the king comes back to the lion's den, I don't know if King Darius believed that or not. But Daniel was cast into the lion's den because of his faith. Now what were the lion's dens like? Colin Delich in their commentary said this about the lion's dens that were used. And I quote, They consist of a large square cavern under the earth, having a partition wall in the middle of it, which is furnished with a door, which the keeper can open and close from above. By throwing in food, they can entice the lions from one chamber into the other, and then having shut the door, they enter the vacant space for the purpose of cleaning it. The cavern is open above. 
its mouth being surrounded by a wall of a yard and a half high, over which one can look down into the den, unquote. Of course, a yard and a half would be four and a half foot tall. So Daniel was cast into the lion's den. Darius said, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And now verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now, I don't know how big a round this opening was, but a stone was placed upon it, so there would be definitely no escape. The decree for Daniel to go in there and stay in there, it was going to be set forth, and it would not be changed. And then the seal that was put on that, that would be that wax seal that the king would use to seal it so that no one could open it. But not only he sealed it, but we'll notice also that the signet of the Lord's also was used to seal that stone so that it would not be removed. But we will see in verses 18 through 24 that the plan these men came up with backfired. It backfired on them. You know, whenever we try to do things that are against God's will, our plans are going to backfire. God is the one we need to be following. We need to not be paying attention to our own selves and thinking we know better than God. Because if we ever do, our plans will backfire. In verse 18, and we're going to be down through verse 24 eventually. Verse 18 of Daniel 6 then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The king was unable to sleep all night. He passed the night fasting in hoping that that would help Daniel when Daniel was in the lion's den. The king was distraught over what had just happened to Daniel. He would allow no entertainment to come to cheer him up, and he was awake all night long because of what he had done. How many times have we ever been awake all night long because of something we had done that we knew was wrong? Did we repent? Did we confess to God and pray? that he would forgive. Verse 19 says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. The king wanted to know what happened to Daniel. The king had probably heard of the things, you know, maybe he had heard of the fiery furnace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved from by God. Would God do it again now for Daniel? Would he do it? He went in a hurry to see. Verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. The king apparently did not expect to hear 
an answer. It was a lamentable voice. The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? You can just hear the lamentation in his voice, a lamentable voice. But then in verse 21, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. You think those were words of joy that brought happiness to King Darius? Here he heard Daniel's voice. He had been all night in a den of lions, and he's still alive. He's still alive. In verse 22, he says, My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. The king knew that. The king knew that he had done wrong whenever he had signed that decree and listened to the flattery. But Daniel here, he expounds on that, doesn't he? He said, innocency was found in me from my God. And I haven't done you any hurt either. No hurt at all. Verse 23 tells us, Then the king, or then was the king exceeding glad for him. And he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. We need to understand that on the last day, we face God in judgment. And if we are faithful to him, we're not going to face any hurt. We're not going to face the second death. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 27. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or make a lie, maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, we will not be hurt by the second death. In Revelation chapter 20, down in verses 12 through 15. He said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades was cast in the lake of fire. This is a second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But those who were written in the book of life were not. They were ushered into heaven to have, or will be ushered into heaven to have eternal life. Well, what happens next here in the book of Daniel? 
verse 24. Daniel 6, 24. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Whenever they threw those people and their families into that den of lions, it says all their bones were broken in pieces before they came to the bottom of the pit. Their accusers thrown to the lions. I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. Proverbs 11, 8. And this is from the literal translation of the Bible. It says, The righteous is delivered from distress, and the wicked goes in instead of him. That's what happened here in Daniel chapter 6. The righteous Daniel was delivered. The evil men and all their families took his place in the lion's den. Now, it seems unusual to us that the whole family would be thrown in, but this was according to Persian custom. Among the Persians, all the kindred were involved in the guilt of one culprit. Herodotus stated this, and I quote, Some laws are abominable, through which, because of the crime of one person, all his relatives are put to death, unquote. And that's the way it was among the Medes and the Persians. When we go to Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 28, we see Darius now praising God, and it reminds us of when Nebuchadnezzar praised God back in chapter 3. So let's go to Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 28. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed in his dominion, shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So he praises God. Darius saw the deliverance of Daniel from the lion's den, just as Nebuchadnezzar saw the deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. They both expected them to be dead. Nebuchadnezzar wanted those three men dead. King Darius did not want Daniel killed. He was on Daniel's side, but he had made a very bad mistake. Now verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 
Darius was there for a little while before Cyrus came, and he took the kingdom. But you notice what he said there? This is what Darius said in verse 26. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. One of the biggest problems that we have today is we do not tremble at the word of God. In Ezra chapter 10, look at verse 3. Ezra chapter 10, verse 3. There it says, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. They were trembling at the commandments of God. In Psalm 114, verse 7. Psalm 114, verse 7 says, Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Whenever you look at these words here, tremble at the presence of the Lord. He is the one who is sovereign. Adon is the Hebrew word. And at the presence of the God of Jacob, the word God there is Eloah, which means a mighty deity. God is a mighty deity, and we need to be trembling at his word. In James chapter 2, look at verse 19. James chapter 2, verse 19. Can't be James 2, 19. <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They were not trembling at the word of God, and they did not enter into the promised land. If we do not tremble at the word of God, we will not enter to the promised land of heaven. Now look at Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12. Romans chapter 14 verses 11 and 12. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every person that has ever lived upon this earth will confess Christ Jesus as Lord. And we're either going to do it now in this lifetime or we're going to do it on that last day when it's too late. Charles Darwin will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Muhammad will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Every atheist, every agnostic, Every false religionist will confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father.
You know, someday someone may knock on our door and they may demand that we deny Christ and obey the law of the land. And they will guarantee that if we do that, we will live. But if we fail to deny Christ, we will be put to death. Well, we have the guarantee that if we live the Christian life, we're going to be persecuted. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It just tells us plainly our faith is going to be tested. When times of trial come our way, we always have two choices. And whether that is at school, whenever somebody brings up something and homosexuality right now is the big thing, transgender, well, they bring that up and we say, but that's sin. That's sin. We have the choice. We can renounce our faith, either through our words or actions, or we can hold to our faith, even if it means our physical death. Are we willing to speak up for the cause of Christ? Are we just going to stay silent? Daniel's conviction to God was stronger than the pressures of the world around him that were upon him. Is our conviction to God stronger than the pressures this world puts upon us? Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we encourage you to please share this program, to like it on social media. Thank you for being with us today.